Hello and welcome to 10 Years Later, a reflective podcast by CBC looking back at Connie Walker's Missing and Murdered, Finding Cleo. My name is Adamo Crescenzi, a second year criminology student at Ryerson University, and it is my greatest honor to stand alongside Connie today to share my experience as a listener of the Finding Cleo podcast. Today, I am here specifically to discuss how Johnny Semaginus was affected by the trifecta. The trifecta being the 60 scoop, Indian residential schools, and missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. I want to start off, though, the same way Connie started off, with the phrase, ki kawa ka'aktamink, meaning wishing or longing for something. To me, this phrase is representational of Johnny and many other Indigenous people, as they long to find truth, closure, and understanding that has been stolen from them through colonialism. When Johnny was a child, he and many other Indigenous children were taken from their homes, separated from their families without consent, and adopted into non-Indigenous homes through a program called Adopt Indigenous and Métis, and what we now call the 60 Scoop. The 60 Scoop was a form of assimilation, forcing dominant Canadian cultural values onto Indigenous children through disconnecting them from indigeneity with the hopes of the eradication of the Indigenous culture for generations to come. In episode 3, Connie talks about how Johnny still remembers being the last one to be separated from his family, grasping so tightly to his stick as he watched police and child welfare handcuff his mother Lillian to the door and destroy his family. What really stuck with me from episode 3 is when Johnny talks about how he and the other adopted kids would be forced to sleep in the barn at his new adopted home. Johnny expected to be welcomed into his new family, but instead he was put in a barn like livestock, as if he was second class. After the emotional and physical pain Johnny had endured, losing his sense of home and being forced away from his family, he still had to be subject to such harsh and unfair treatment, even though he was just a kid. And this is what sticks with me. These are just harmless children. They pose no threat, no harm to society, but ah, wait, yes, yes, they do. They pose a threat to the future of colonialism. And this is exactly what governs the actions that Johnny was subject to. Listening to Johnny describe his 60 scoop experience left me wondering, does the physical and emotional hardship end? And as I've learned over my time listening to the podcast, the answer is a sad no. The same physical and emotional abuse that Johnny felt as a kid the day he was taken by child welfare is the same hardship that affects him today. It is the same pain that has affected him through alcoholism, mental health issues, and feelings of loneliness and despair. It is through Johnny's experience with the 60 Scoop that I learned this is no one-off event, but a mechanism of colonialism aiming at extracting Indigenous youth from their community at a very young age and getting rid of their culture to get rid of any idea of Indigenous culture for the future in Canada. I also found this in Alicia Elliott's 2019 op-ed when she discusses the Millennium Scoop, a term used to describe the high rates of Indigenous youth in Canada's social service, which I reflect on through Johnny to be just another way of the government doing the exact same thing, extracting Indigenous children, eradicating their culture, and advancing a colonial vision for the future. But what sits with me the most is that on top of the suffering Johnny endures personally from the 60s scoop, he was also incredibly affected externally by Indian residential schools through his mother Lillian. Johnny's mother Lillian went to a residential school. The 1920 amendment to the Indian Act made it compulsory for Indigenous children to attend these government-sponsored religious schools. The purpose of residential schools were to brutally assimilate Indigenous children into the, quote, Canadian culture, unquote. Lillian was psychologically affected by her experience in residential schools, which in return took a toll on her life after residential schools and in the parenting of her children. In episode 7, Lillian's nephew talks about Lillian's inability to share her feelings, 
hiding them and isolating herself. This is something I feel really impacted the relationship she had with her children. Before listening to Finding Cleo, I understood to an extent what residential schools did to the indigenous boys and girls that attended. So when I found out that Lillian had spent six years straight in residence, it was hard not to feel the pit at the bottom of my stomach. As Alicia Elliott describes in her 2019 Washington Post op-ed, residential schools were education meant to, quote, kill the Indian, quote, unquote. Think about that for a second. In a 2017 CBC YouTube video about truth and reconciliation, Chief Robert Joseph, a residential school survivor, depicts the experience and after effects quite well. Chief Joseph talks about how the time in the schools failed to teach him valuable social skills and that he felt afraid, silent, traumatized, and that the years inside left him broken. How can you expect a woman like Lillian, who has been through and been affected by so much, to be the perfect parent for Johnny? Lillian's hardship becomes Johnny's hardship, only increasing his burden. Through his 60s scoop suffering and the burden from Lillian's time in residential schools, I still find Cleo's disappearance and death to be the most saddening part of Johnny's trifecta. After we introduced to Johnny in episode 3, I immediately sensed the sadness and longing for truth in his deep, wise voice. The yearning to understand his sister's life and to find any connection with her is, episode, is evident in episode 3, when Johnny shows his phone screensaver, a picture of his sister Cleo. Such a heartbreaking moment for me that demonstrated the need to be reminded of her at every moment. Finding Cleo demonstrates how actually finding Cleo was filled with inconsistency, falsity, and incorrectness. And this is where I feel Johnny was affected the most. The first couple episodes of the podcast conclude Cleo to have been murdered and found in Arkansas. But as the episodes continue, the story becomes a little bit more complex, and Cleo is traced to Marlton, New Jersey. In episode 3, Johnny talks about the various stories he's heard from different people about Cleo, which I feel leaves him more concerned with figuring out what actually is the truth than actually reconciling with his sister's past passing and understanding her life. Johnny is affected as he hasn't received closure. He hasn't received any sort of resolution of his sister's past. Johnny can't accept the truth, really, because he has none. All he has is a picture on his phone, a small memory that has to compensate for an unknown story. I'd now like to think big picture. Johnny really is a representation for thousands of other Indigenous men and women. So many Indigenous men and women have fallen victim to colonialism, subject to the trifecta I have spoken about. Johnny is one of many who have been affected by parents who were psychologically broken in residential schools, one of many who were displaced from their home without consent during the 60s scoop, and one of many who had a woman in their life disappear and murdered without explanation or closure. Johnny and many others have been affected by colonialism in such a multifaceted way that their hardship has become systemic and has transcended time. Finding Cleo has taught me how significant silence is in the Indigenous community. The sad truth is, thousands suffer yet we only hear a few stories. I have come to learn that the silence comes from fear that sharing these hardships will only result in colonialism suppressing the story once again. A sad but real truth. I'll leave off with a concluding thought, a moment that really stuck with me from the podcast. In episode 3, The Scream by Kent Monkman, a horrific painting depicting the horrors of the trifecta is discussed by Connie. What this picture represents to me is a silence that lives among us and the untold stories of hardship that weigh people down and affect them that colonialism has consistently concealed. Finding Cleo has taught me that this picture needs to change. Hi hi. Thank you.